Hello, everybody. Welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as uh, we continue on in our high-tech journey of the, uh, the study of the New Testament and all that that means. And um, we've been working through the New Testament together for several years now. Uh, it, there's a lot of stuff to cover. And then, as I've said numerous times, when we're done, in another couple of years, we're going to move into the Old Testament, which takes three times as long. So um, lots of neat stuff to cover. And uh, We've been... The, the importance to, of going through Scripture this way is that it helps to keep it in context. And context is important so that you, um, you don't try and make the Bible say something it's not saying. So when you, when you read through the New Testament... As we have, we did the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, so we, we could uh, learn about the ministry of Jesus and what that was all about. Then we did the book of Acts, and from there we could see what the early church was all about. And out of the book of Acts, we, we started to, uh, it, during the book of Acts, we looked at Paul's missionary journeys, and, um, and then once we finished with those, we started reading the letters that Paul wrote um, back to the churches that he'd visited and planted all over the world at that time. And, and then you understand as we go through this that he's writing usually back to situations and problems um, because the church is a brand new entity and uh, they're looking to Paul for advice and Paul gives them advice on a lot of issues and, and a lot of those issues are the same issues we have today. So 2,000 years, um, sin hasn't changed a whole lot. Uh, and, uh, and, and so the advice is fairly similar. But you want to make sure that you're holding what's being said in the context of what he's writing to. And so that's why we're studying through the scriptures in this way, a chapter at a time, to, uh, to sort of look at the major themes and what's happening. By now, you've, you've probably pretty much figured out the Apostle Paul wrote a big chunk of the New Testament uh, as he was writing back to these churches. It's what comprises our New Testament. And, um, and so we're, we're studying right now the book of Ephesians. We're going to be in the second chapter today. The, the theme of Ephesians, what, what Paul uh, is telling them, is that um, the, the, the life in Christ, this new life that we have in Christ that God has given us, is, uh, is channeled through the community of the church. That we're not to live isolated lives, we're, we're to live in uh, intimate relationship, not only with God, but with other believers. And it's in this process of living with other believers uh, that... Um, we, we grow and, and become who we're called to be in the Lord. And so Paul, um, in trying to illustrate this, he portrays the church as a body, as a family, uh, and, and as a holy temple. And he, each of these ideas um, talks about the, the unity that's supposed to take place in the church and that um, we're to um, do what we can uh, as often as we can and as much as we can to maintain unity um, in order to experience, you know, God's power at work within us. And, and so we see in a lot of the letters that Paul's writing, he's dealing with conflicts and he's, he's telling um, the churches, look, you, you need to um, love each other well. That's, the, that's always been the highlight. Love each other well. Um, listen for and look for the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And uh, if you don't agree on something, well, you know, let's, let's put that up somewhere for now and let's, let's kind of maintain unity based on what we do agree on and then we'll allow the Holy Spirit to work in some of these um, not so important areas. Um, there are some things that are absolutely important and that we don't have much wiggle room on, but a lot of the stuff that brings conflict in the church aren't the main things, it's, it's little things off 
to the side that causes so much division. Um, because the church, uh, big chunks of the church still believe in the main things and over those things we can have unity. It's this other stuff that causes problems. So uh, in an in a interesting group like we have here at the Vineyard, um, we have people from all sorts of, of uh, church background, non-church background, um, not sure background, and you know, all sorts of things. And um, and, and so we, we develop a sense of unity based on Jesus and, and uh, who he is and what he's done and what he's doing and people um, who, who are, you know, fully understand who he is and are, uh, have accepted him as Lord and Savior. Other people that are coming to try and figure out what that looks like. But we, we hang together uh, in those areas where we can find agreement and then um, where we have maybe little differences, we're allowing the Holy Spirit to move, but we're hanging on to the basics and the truth to move forward together because that's where we experience God. Too often the church falls apart on, on and, and it was pausing on something that doesn't, it's not that it doesn't matter, it just shouldn't be enough to break up the church. It, it should be, hey, we don't absolutely see that eye to eye. Um, and, and so let's, you know, let's shelve it, agree on what we do agree on, and ask the Spirit of God to help us figure out the direction that we need to take. So living together then as the body, we, we build one another up and we grow toward maturity. That's the idea. See, that's what we're supposed to be doing is building each other up, encouraging one another, loving one another, um, and, and uh, helping each other along, and, and sharpening one another. And, and even in those things where we conflict, if it's done in love... Um, we, can, we can take them and we can pray about it and think about it and see if, you know, maybe we're not right. Um, maybe there's some, some things we need to think about. Uh, I, I, I get challenged all the time and have to restudy why I believe what I believe. Not, not that it shakes me badly, but, but uh, you know, o- over time it's good to relook and read the scriptures again and just, well, let me, let me, let me take a good look at that and, and, uh, and just see, see you know, where, where we're coming from. So these things help us to grow together and that as we wrestle through these things together and as we love each other well as we encourage each other well um, we we uh, uh, it allows us to see um, uh, you know the, the fallenness of the world around us and reminds us how important it is that we're to be a witness to them so that um, so that they can come to know God as well and that um, that there's something about us living in a type of unity that draws people to God. And so that's kind of what's happening in Ephesians and, and uh, in, in these first couple of chapters anyway. So Ephesians 2, 22 verses, uh, and I'm going to read those to you. You can read along. There was a handout back there. We switched to handouts um, just because there's all the time printing bulletins and folding bulletins and putting them together, and it's, it's really just the, the Bible chapter is always putting in there anyway. So, uh, but there are still prayer requests on the back. If you want to give a prayer request later, have me, you know, fill it out. Those forms are back there. Just grab one of those. When you come in, fill it out. Grab a handout, room for notes. Um, or you can follow along in your Bibles, or there's Bibles in the rows. Uh, I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 1. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. 
It is by grace you've been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith and this not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Therefore, remember that formerly you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves a circumcision, that done in the body by the hands of men. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility, by abolishing in his flesh the law with its commandments and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new man out of the two, thus making peace. And in this one body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross, by which he put to death their hostility. He came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access to the Father by one spirit. Consequently, you're no longer foreigners and aliens, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of God's household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief corner stone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. And blessed be the word of the Lord. There's a lot of neat concepts and ideas in that chapter. Um, we'll touch on a, a few of them um, about what it means to be in Christ. Um, everything that was leading up to um, uh, Jesus coming and, uh, and, and what he's done for us was sort of a shadow of what was going to happen. And, and the reality is Christ. The reality is Christ. And, and so in Christ, all that stuff that, that, that was before now has been, been manifest in him. And that's where the reality of life is found. And so he, he begins by talking about, in those first couple of verses, this, this idea that, that apart from Christ, before we came to know Christ, um, it, he said we were dead in our transgressions. He's talking about a spiritual death. We were, we were not spiritually alive until we came to know Christ. And that the, the, the concept is this, that, and, 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 so, and sometimes you gotta think about this a little bit, because it'll stretch you. Uh, if, see, if you're not following Christ, um, and you've not chosen to follow Christ, by default, um, you're, you're following the evil one. Um, you may not think you are, you may not choose to be, and then a lot of people go, oh, and they get, this is where they get a little crazy, but let me, let me try and explain it if I can. See, Paul in those verses describes the evil one as the ruler of the kingdom of the air. And, and so there are two kingdoms, and only two, the kingdom of God and the kingdom of the evil one. Um, the, the, the kingdom of God, trust me, is where you want to be. Uh, if you're not in the kingdom of God, then, then by default, you're, you're, you're in the other kingdom. It's one of those things. It's a darkness thing and a light thing. Um, and Jesus is our way into the kingdom of God. And we'll talk about that more in a minute. Um, uh, and so um, what happened was, 
in Jesus coming uh, and, and uh, willingly going to the cross, uh, living a sinless life, going to the cross, they're defeating death and rising again. What he does is he inaugurates the kingdom of God. It is first coming. So the kingdom of God is now here, but it's not yet fully here. It's here in part. And the New Testament goes through this. We've talked about this at length. Um, it's, it's growing and it's moving. It, it comes to completion when Jesus returns, which is what we're waiting for. Trumpet sounded harvest, we talk about this. And when Jesus comes back, the kingdom will be fully here at that point, and he'll begin the process of straightening everything out. Everything that shouldn't be around anymore won't be. Everything that doesn't belong to the kingdom is going to get taken out of the kingdom of God. He is already, because it's established here, the permanent ruler of the world. However, until he comes back, the evil one, still has some room to, to work in, um, in this in-between time as a temporary ruler of, of the world that chooses to follow him either by choice or by default. So he's still around doing all sorts of stuff. Evil exists, it's, it's, evident, it's prevalent, um, and, and he's at work uh, until Jesus comes back, and then that will be stopped. Um, this in-between time, that we live in, the now and the not yet, the kingdom here but not fully here, um, is an exciting time really to, to live um, because the, the kingdom has broken through and continues to break through all the time but the evil one's still at work but we have a mission um, that, that we're to tell people about the kingdom of God and that they can get into the kingdom of God in Christ, that that's our mission, that's why we're here, it's an adventure. Um, and and uh, he's waiting to come uh, until we get the harvest completed, uh, and whatever that looks like. And so we're, we're busy and we're hard at work in the process. And so the, Paul is putting out this dynamic that the, the kingdom of God is here um, and, and so still temporarily is this, this uh, the kingdom of the air, the, the kingdom of darkness. And the, the, it's temporary, but it's, it's filled with people who either uh, choose to follow him or by default are following him because they're not yet following Christ. They haven't, um, you know, got to that spot where they've decided that they, they want to have Jesus as their Lord and Savior, accept what he's done from the cross and find spiritual life in him. And so that's the process. Now, in verses 3 through 5, he digs in deeper. And, and see, the, the reality is because we've all sinned, we cannot save ourselves. Um, we can never be good enough in our own strength. And here's where culturally we have a lot of issues. Because um, we, if you take away the absolute of God's perfection then, and you start trying to measure goodness in some other way, then sure, there's a lot of good people around. Um, I, there's a lot of good people around. There's some very moral people around. There's some very kind people around. There's some extremely loving people around. The problem is all of us have sinned as well. And, and see, without a standard, what does good look like? Is, is, are you good if you've, because if, culturally we think that we're good if we've done more good than bad, right? Isn't that the cultural norm, the dynamic? What's the definition of a good person? Well, they're a nice person. And, and, and uh, it's very true of a lot of people. Uh, but then you find out that there's a lot of stuff about them that's not so nice. But still, there's these things. And so, well, you know, they're a good person. The, 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 the problem is that good isn't enough. Uh, good is good, it's nice, um, but for us, we have a different standard. God's standard is perfect. Uh, he's perfect God. And all of us have problems at that point because none of us is perfect. Some of you are trying really hard, I know, but you ain't perfect. 
Um, all it takes to be not perfect is to mess up one time. And, and you know, if you don't think you have, let's chat. I can, we can bust that myth up real quick. <laughs> it would take a real short conversation. <laughs> so we've got all have this major issue. Um, see, and so it's only when we're united uh, with Christ, when we're in Christ, that Christ's perfect life um, allows us then to be, um, uh, become good in God's sight. We talk about this all the time. See, God sees us in Christ, which is, which is amazing for us. It's, the, it's unmerited favor, it's grace, it's just, it's overwhelming what's taken place so that a perfect holy God can look at us, messed up people, but who've accepted Jesus as a Lord and Savior, and then he, he no longer looks at all the mess, he looks at us in the perfection of his son. And we're okay. We're still a long way away from where we want to be. And hopefully we're allowing the spirit of God to work in us to change us because we all got a lot of work to do. Everybody here has got work to do. Allowing the spirit of God to work in you. It's not work that you do. It's a, I got to be careful. I use my terms. Because you, you don't, it's, it's, a, it's a cooperation with the spirit of God is how we move on in the process. So we're a, we're a work in progress, if you would. And we yield to the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, we're, we talk about trying to do the next right things we're at. Sometimes we fail because we're, we haven't completely arrived, but we know that we're forgiven. And in Christ, we have now been set free and empowered by the Spirit so we can choose at least to make better choices. We, we have the, the, the ability in Christ and by the power of the Spirit to choose to do the next right thing. Uh, instead of being completely overwhelmed by our old sin nature, which just used to take us wherever it wanted to and uh, wasn't a good situation. So um, uh, he, he goes on and uh, he, he starts talking about this life in Ephesians 2, 6 through 10, that this, this life in Christ is, is a complete gift. You, you can't earn it. You can't pay for it. It's a gift. And, and let me say, this is what sets Christianity apart from any other sort of ideal or philosophy or anything else that's out there. Um, every other system that, that exists in the world, um, their concepts are about what you have to do. What you have to do. These are, your, these are your rules. These are your things. These are the things you have to do. You have to do them these many times a day. This is what you have to do. In Christianity, with Jesus, what it is... It's all about what's been done for you. It's all about what's been done for you by Jesus. It's sheer gift and grace. And so we become Christians through, through God's unmerited favor, not as the result of any effort, ability, intelligent choice, or act of service on our part. Um, however, out of, out of gratitude for what's taken place for this free gift. Um, we then seek to help and serve others with kindness, love, and gentleness. Um, and we decide that we no longer want to live just for ourselves. We want to live to please God. And, and while absolutely no action uh, or work that we do will help us to obtain salvation, um, God's intention is that our salvation will cause us to um, uh, choose to live lives that, that encourage and bless and help other people. We're not ultimately saved only um, for ourselves, but also to serve Christ and to build up the church. And so that's the concept. See, it's not anything that we do, um, we're not trying to earn salvation. Salvation was a free gift. This is the, this is the amazing deal. 
So any act of service, uh, any, any movement of kindness or encouragement that we're doing in the world is a response because of the love that he's poured out on us, not because we're trying to earn anything or, or, or can secure anything by, by those actions, which, which is amazing when you think about it. Um, if, you're, if you're trying to work your way uh, and earn your way into something, uh, it becomes a duty and it's no fun. But if your response is, because he loved me so much, God, what, what would you like for me to do? Um, I'm in. Um, then, then it all takes on a whole different idea. It feels different. It's, it's, not, it's not work. It's, it's life. It's joy. It's, it's exciting. It's adventure. It's, uh, it's neat to know that you're in the kingdom of God and that you have a purpose for life. Um, it, 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 there's, there's so much to it. And, and then God will start um, um, putting people in, um, in your life and you'll see opportunities open. You couldn't even imagine that, that uh, opportunities to, uh, to love people, to encourage people, to pray for people, to help people, to tell people the good news. Um, and these things will just, they'll, they'll just overwhelm you as you start thinking about, can you believe that God did that? That, that there's this situation and I was there. And uh, I was able to, to do something, not to earn anything, but because of all that's been done for me. And Paul says this neat thing, in there that um, we're God's workmanship and that word is the coolest word it's the word poema in in the original language it's where we get our word poem from and and uh, when God sees you he sees you as his poem I love that Uh, as a work of art as his masterpiece he created you he created you and and Throughout Ephesians, Paul is trying to get believers to understand how important they are in the kingdom of God. That, that each one of us matters. Each one of us counts. That each one of us is a masterpiece created by God. With a, with a plan. Uh, with a purpose. With, with um, things that, that uh, he wants you to experience this life and forever. And I don't know that we always are fully taking those concepts in. Um, in life because sometimes we can get so busy and caught up and we don't know how it you know oh does it make a difference and, and what you make a difference because you're God's poem you're his workmanship you're his craftsmanship um, our, our salvation is something only that that God can do and, and it's, it's his powerful creative work in us that makes us happen so you need to know in that idea that you are his masterpiece and he goes on in the end of the letter and uh, he, he reemphasizes this idea that in Christ we're, we're the church. We're, we're not, uh, uh, not merely a building um, but we're a body, a family. We're God's household. Uh, he, he lives in us and he shows himself uh, to a watching world through us. See, you need to get that that's how this thing works. Um, as we try and work this out together as we come in here and love on each other the best we can and encourage each other and, and you know, work through situations, that the world is looking to see what the church is all about. And, and um, if, it, if, it, if it appears to them that there's something in there that's genuine, that really does care, they're, they're drawn in to find out what that looks like. If it appears to them the church is just a bunch of mean people that get together on the weekends, to tell them how bad they are, you know, you know that they stop coming around? They don't. No, nobody wants to hear that. Does anybody want to hear how bad you are? We could, we could try a few minutes of it and see if it works. 
I've just called you his workmanship and his poem and everything. I mean, I mean but, but see, that's the reality. But sometimes we, we slip and, and all of a sudden we get, you know, this thing. But we're all a mess that need Jesus. The, the only difference in, in us and anybody else is, is whether or not you've, you've found Christ. If you found Christ, then, then you're, you're a mess that knows grace and mercy of God. And you've got the Holy Spirit working in you to change you. If you're not, you're just a mess. But you need Jesus. And, and that's, that's the deal. And so, so we're to be the, the, the people who live in that tension of, uh, you know, because of what God's done for me, I just want to let people know about that love. I, the Holy Spirit will, will work on things in them that need to be changed, just like he does in me. I don't, I don't have to point it out to them. Most people get it. I, I know about my messes. Nobody really needs to tell me. I mean, most of you would be able to agree with that, right? I mean, sometimes we push them away, but... Um, so, so we come in here in Christ and love each other and encourage each other and pray for each other and then, and then together um, the, the Spirit of God is here and then he starts drawing people in as well and we try and love them and encourage them and ultimately tell them that Jesus loves them so much that he went to the cross for them and that, that there's a life in him that's different than any life we experience any other way. It's not, it's not, you know, means that you get a pass on hard stuff. It just means that now the creator of the universe is with you and he'll always be with you and, and he'll help you through the hard things and he'll see you through till the end. And, and we have the, the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing all that. All these neat things are taking place. And so, so we live together to help one another, to encourage one another, to live in accordance with the word as citizens of the kingdom of God members of his household, and, and uh, with a mission and a purpose as we move on together. So that's the basics of, of Ephesians uh, chapter 2. And it's worth another read if you get a chance. There's a lot of stuff in there I didn't cover. And the time went really fast because it's almost 8 o'clock. Uh, and uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop there. Uh, if you're watching um, by uh, video or on television, thank you so much for spending this time with us. And we're, we're so glad that you did. Come visit us sometime. If you need something, go to the keysvineyard.com website and uh, we'd be happy to pray for you. And uh, there's a prayer page on there, a contact page. Use that. All right, thank you.